Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Today I wanted to just kind of do like a little one-off here, and I wanted to talk from this idea about the importance of community. Say the importance of community. Now, a lot of times when a pastor talks about this, I think we're like, yeah, of course you'll say that because you want people to speak to. But see, community goes further than just within these four walls. I think within these four walls are really important. Um, But it goes beyond that. And, And I don't think it's just showing up and being somewhere. I really believe that there's there's a, an attitude of community that we can have. Really an attitude like Jesus had. And so it's important that we, yes, come to this building. It's important that we join and have relationship and friendship. And so I want to visit that a little bit today. But I want to start this morning in First Peter chapter 3. And, and Peter here has really taken some time to lay out the Christian life. Now, just a little side note. I've been really... Um, Imagine this, digging into the scriptures, right? But I've been really digging into the scriptures from the Old Testament up to the New, and I've been seeing all these just really cool correlations and relations, and we know that the Old Covenant, the Old Testament is foreshadowing Jesus, right? It's all pointing to him. I like what one former pastor says who has a pretty big ministry online now uh, helping people understand the Bible, and he says that, that the Bible is a unified story. Say unified. It's a unified story leading us to Jesus. So when you study the scriptures correctly, you actually see this unified story. And for a lot of years for me, there was a lot of disconnects. But the more that I understand the the Jewish mindset, because we have to understand that Jesus was a Jew, and yes, he was bringing a new covenant, but even this covenant idea wasn't something new, but it was a new covenant does that make sense? And so he's, he's quoting the prophets and he's, he's changing some of the mentality and he's shifting paradigms along the way. I mean, he got crucified for it, right? Especially when he would ridicule uh, the religious community and empire. But what, what I love here is when you read the letters of the apostles, it's beautiful when you can get into this frame of mind. And I think I'm going to do a series about this, about the letters and how they were written. I've been studying about how letters were written in this time, you know, 2,000 years ago. And it wasn't like you just, you know, you just sit down and you grab your iPhone and you just, you know, put a note in there. It was a long process. It was an expensive process. Uh, For instance, like when you picture Paul or Peter writing a letter, what do you picture? Anyone? Open. Classes in session. What do you picture? Me too. Bruce, maybe a candle in the corner. Yeah, right. And, And he's got that quill pen and he's dipping it. Come on now, right? And he's writing this letter. But you know, they didn't write letters like that. In fact, we have, I mean, how many have paper in their house? How many have too much paper in their house? How many people have so much paper in their house, but when you have to write a note and you're on the phone, all you can find is like the consumer's bill. And you're just, and you're like, where did I put that note? But see, we, we picture 
Paul's sitting here, Holy Spirit downloading into him, right? But the history is really cool. And we'll get into it another time. It was done differently than that. It was sometimes weeks and months of Holy Spirit downloading and talking with others, communicating, hiring a secretary who could write, who would bring all the materials because they were so expensive and you didn't want to waste time. Someone who could write small, but write clear. It's, it's really cool how the process came together. And so what I really believe is happening when we read these, because have you ever read something you're like, man, why, why would Paul say that? But then you read another letter, you're like, it almost seems like he's saying something different or he's changing his theology. Oh, welcome to life. How many have changed their theology in the last five, 10 years? Two months. And so sometimes when we read these letters, I want us to get into the framework of where their mind was at that time, who they were writing to at that time, and why they were writing that particular church or that particular city. Maybe there was something going on that needed to be addressed, and so it wasn't for every church, it was for that church in that area. And when we do that, I think we get a better grasp of what's going on. But here we have Peter in this phase of life, whenever this was, He's laying out the Christian life. Essentially, I believe that he's summing up what it looks like when you are living out life following Jesus. What does the Jesus way look like in this world? And so there's things that we can take from this even in our world today, amen? But look at this in 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want to start with verse 8. What's the first two words? Oh, they're not up there. Sorry, guys. There it is. First two words. Summing up. So he wants to sum up everything he's just said about Christianity, whether you're a husband or a wife or you're slave or free or however that is. Again, remember his time dealing through his journey, right? But look what he says. He says, summing up, be agreeable. Wow, we could use some of that in the church today because the world certainly isn't. You know, something that you said today, Pastor Kristen, is just... That, that love and acceptance, we don't see it all the time in the church, but honestly, we don't see it in the world either. You ever seen that bumper sticker that says coexist? Anyone? I'm not against it. I'm, I think that's a great saying. But a lot of times, people who say coexist should have a, like a subcaption that says, as long as you agree with me. I don't know. I just got back from vacation, so give me a week to kind of reassess and be real pastorly. But this week, we're just going to let it all go out the window. But honestly, like, a lot of people I talk to who, not all, but a lot of people I talk to, like, we need to coexist. I'm like, I agree. You know, I was thinking, well, I don't agree with that. Whoa, what, what just happened? I thought we were coexisting and we could talk about stuff. Am I making sense? He says, be agreeable. Look at this. Be sympathetic. Wow. Be loving. Christians being loving, come on. Be compassionate. <laughs> Here's a big one. Be humble. Whoo. But look what he says next. That goes for some of you. <laughs> I, knew, I knew Bruce would catch me on that one. What's he say? <laughs> that goes for all of you. Look at this. No exceptions. Come on, Peter. I thought you are full of grace and love, man. Peter's like, I am, and you should be too. He says, no exceptions. Look at this. No retaliation. Well, why'd you hit that person? Well, because they hit me. He says, no exceptions. He says, no retaliation. Now, where would Peter get a crazy idea 
of not retaliating. Anyone? From Jesus, imagine that. Anyway, he says, no sharp tongue sarcasm. I need to work on, my wife said amen the loudest because I have to work on that one. But look at this, instead, say instead. He says, bless, say bless. That's your job. (laughs) He sums it up in one word, bless. He says, that's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing, and look at this, and also get a blessing. Now, something here we need to make sure we're not attaching to this is, if I live this way, then God will really bless me. God's already blessed you with all things for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Amen? Done deal. So when he says you'll get a blessing, this is what's so cool, man. The blessing comes from being a blessing. God's already blessed you. So what I see is a couple different things here. Now, again, I'm, I'm kind of trying to interpret, oh, like we all do when I read scripture. But when I read this and he says, you'll be a blessing when you live like this, really, if you look at it toward others, right? And also get a blessing. I think part of that is just fulfillment. When you walk away from a situation and you chose to go the Jesus way rather than the world standard way, which is retribution and retaliation, right? I'm going to get them back. Uh, I'm going to show them. When you said, you know what? I'm going to let it go. I forgive you. Woo. Not easy. But when you do, isn't there something inside that goes, and you just feel blessed, don't you? I also believe what I said this morning, that it's the kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. When you show kindness in the midst of anger or maybe somebody against you, others see that, including the person that maybe at that time is against you. And I think there's a blessing that comes out of that. I think people see that and they're like, wow, that person is such a blessing. And it's almost like they just want to bless you as well. Does that make sense? We were sitting at a table last night. I officiated a a wedding for a good friend of mine. Uh, I guess you could consider it family, really. It's the brother of my daughter-in-law. But we, I officiated this wedding, and, you know, we end up at the table. We're sitting there and uh, just, you know, having, some, having our meal together. But there was a gentleman that was there who grew up on the same block that Alyssa and Colin did. And, and, um, but this guy, was it Rock? Is that his name? Rock? Man, how many remember Jim Scalise? Like, just ooze the love of God. Not in a gross way, you know, but just ooze the love of God. Like, he's like, I want to be around this guy because I just feel like I'm okay. You know, Jim Scalise was that, that guy that I sat in, um, what's that restaurant over there? I haven't been there. Oh, Lucky's. I haven't been lucky lately. That place, Lucky's, right? I'm sitting there in Lucky's. I remember right next to, I'm at the table right next to the fireplace. And I remember saying to him, as a young pastor, I said, you know, I just regret so many of the things. I, I regret I waited so long. I regret I ran so long from the calling. And uh, he says to me, why? Why regret? You're exactly where you should be right now. That blessed me. And it's people like that in my life that have helped me stay the course. To not give up. To not feel like I'm worthless or not good enough to fulfill the calling that God has put in my life. 
And so Rock was like, he was one of those guys, like, every time he'd speak, I'm just like, can I just like cuddle up with his words like a pillow? Because just such a peace and a love. And everything you said, he thought was funny and entertaining and so great. He's like, that is so great. Good for you. I'm just like, Mr. Rogers, are you sitting next to me right now? That's another guy, right? Mr. Rogers. Have you seen any of the movies on Mr. Rogers? There's a few out there. And you're just like, yeah, you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great one, wasn't it, son? Cool. I'm going to preach right now. I'll talk to you later. But no, I love your heart, buddy. But Mr. Rogers was one of those guys that just, oh my gosh, he made anyone and everyone feel okay and accepted. And I don't care if he was, you know, ordained from the same denomination that I am or not. It was like Jesus was sitting there when Mr. Rogers was talking. Imagine a world like that. Where it literally felt like Jesus was just walking around everywhere. I know I say it a lot. People could say, what a dreamer. But I believe that's why Jesus came, to show us this is how we live. I think so many more people would accept the gospel, accept the way of Jesus, if we came across this way. So I want to talk about the importance of community because if you think about it, how can you live a life that is, like he says, uh, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, agreeable toward another person without community, without relationship. I mean, it's impossible, right? I mean, how many know that to have a relationship, someone needs to be there? You can't have a relationship alone. And so when you think about when Jesus walked this earth, when he was on planet earth, he really promoted this idea of community, didn't he? He also promoted the idea that went directly against the us and them mentality. If you think about when Jesus would, you know, have a meal, who would he sit with? The outcasts. Those who didn't measure up in society, according to empire, those who didn't measure up, you know, in society, according to the religious system of the day. And listen, there were some great religious leaders. I think sometimes we almost become grace Pharisees because they're like, ah, look at that Pharisee. And we, we hear the word Pharisee and we cringe, right? But you know that Jesus, some of his followers were religious leaders. And there, there were, you know, rabbis who were studying scripture and literally were looking for the Messiah and they weren't like everyone else in the system. Now, sure, there, there was the core system. There was corruption going on. It's happened all through human history, hasn't it? You, you, give, you give man some authority and even with the best intentions, sometimes it goes the wrong way, doesn't it? I mean, I think we just see that in history all the time. That's why the way of Jesus is so important for us to see. But think about this. He wanted us to be like him. He wanted us to welcome people with open arms, despite their differences, despite their circumstances, despite their social status or how much money they had in the bank or you know, how big their car was or their house was or any of those things. He wanted us to set people exactly where they were. His purpose in that was for people to see who they truly are. And I talked about it, I think, two weeks ago, the story of um, Zacchaeus. And we see that he had a change of heart, but I think 
his change of heart was because he had awakened to who and whose he was. Does that make sense? Like he realized, wow, I'm operating completely wrong from who I'm supposed to be in life. And so he began to operate as a child of God and it changed everything. And Jesus said these famous words, man, I love it. He says, salvation has come to this house today. In other words, you've been delivered, Zacchaeus. Your life has been changed. That's awesome. That's what Jesus did. He just changed the hearts of people all around as long as they were open to change. Now, how is it that we today, I should say that we do this today? You know, a lot of times, I would say this, we, we, many people call this church, right? How many would know this, this is church? We know we're the church, but when I say church, you know what I mean. Most people, when you say church, they think of the building up in the corner, the center of town, it's got the bell that goes off at noon, whatever, right? That's what we think about. And we know that we're the church, but I think it's important that, that we, even in this building, that we demonstrate this love and this grace and this acceptance because it's the kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. I may say that 16 more times today, but we have to understand that. It's his kindness. So is this place that we attend, this place that we call church, is it a place that allows us to, to be who we are? Does, it, does this place create an atmosphere, I'd like to say, where people feel accepted and where people feel loved? Now, in the time of the apostles, if you think about church, it was completely different. They mostly met in groups together in homes. It was house to house. I mean, even the temple, sometimes you'll see the apostles preaching in the temple, but they weren't having church services. They were actually preaching a new covenant message in an old covenant temple, and it usually caused issues. But as far as the church, as it grew, it was this community, say that with me, community, say it again, community of people who would meet house to house and had real life relationship. So that's what the church was. And we could say that's what church is. It's not a building. It's people meeting together. It's the body of Christ. A lot of you know this, right? But I don't know who's watching on Facebook Live today. I hope this captures your heart and maybe you see a different way. Maybe you have a better understanding of what church is because sometimes I think uh, Western culture has made it into something it was never meant to be. And I've said this a lot that I don't have to have a title. I don't have to have a building or a pulpit to do what God's called me to do. I can minister love and grace and gospel to people anytime, anywhere, really. Does that make sense? But I understand that this is what we know. If someone wakes up on a Sunday morning and they think, man, I, I've got to find God. Well, they think he lives in the building in the middle of town with the church bell on top, right? And so we want to have these doors open for people who are looking for something more in life, who feel hopeless or helpless. They're looking for something different. Social media, movies, sex, drugs, all these things, they're just not quite fulfilling what they need and they're looking for a different way in life. And so I want these doors to remain open so people could come in, but not to experience judgment and condemnation, to experience new life in Christ, to experience grace, to experience love, to experience experience acceptance. Does that make sense? See, when we get in this frame of mind, maybe it will change how we feel when we wake up on a Sunday morning, whether we want to go to that place called church or not. See, it's completely changed for me. Now, am I excited when I feel like I got something in my heart to share? Of course. 
Am I excited when it's time to worship? Yeah, I've been playing bass for like 37 years. I love music. I love playing. But what motivates me is that maybe, just maybe one person, even if one person, if I see that light bulb go off, if I see a little little shimmer in their eye when they hear God loves you, he desires a relationship with you. That's what keeps me coming back every week. I know you thought it was you. No, I'm just kidding. But, but no, that's what keeps me coming back. That's, that's the excitement I have. Now, do I wake up on some Sundays and I'm tired and maybe I'm like, man, I kind of wish it was Saturday. Well, yeah, who doesn't? But just one experience. I think it's kind of like what Peter said. When you're walking this life, there's a blessing in it. When, there's a fulfillment in it when you walk this out. Are you following me this morning? So church really is a place where people meet together. It's, it's one huge word, right, church, that really means community. And what is community? Community is this. It's a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Isn't that a cool definition? A feeling of fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. That word koinonia. In the Greek, we've talked about that several times, but community, it's a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of what? Sharing common attitudes, common what? Interests and common goals. Now, I want us to key in on the word common there. Say common. I know I have you say words a lot, but I want you to stay with me. That word common, I want to key in on this because I don't believe that a community or being part of a community means that we agree on every single facet of life and theology. I I really don't. And that's the problem with society. That's a big problem with the church. If you don't agree with me, I can't have a relationship with you. And we see it more than ever during election years, right? I mean, I have friends that post stuff, and I'm just like, man, who cares if they're a Democrat? Who cares if they're a Republican? I mean, what what are we doing? Especially brothers and sisters in Christ, we get so caught up. We really do. Sometimes just turn off the news and read your Bible. Does that make sense? I told you next week I'll be acclimated better. I was camping all week. But I really want us to get this sense of what community means. Again, it's not that we agree on every single facet of life and theology, but we do share some things in common. And what should those things be when we look at the lives of, say, the apostles, when we look at uh, even what Peter has summed up here? What are those things when we even look at the life of Jesus? I think they're things like acceptance. Can you agree with that? Uh, how about this forgiveness? That's a big one. Care, just caring for people. Uh, just, just this overall warmth and grace and love. How about this no condemnation? Are you with me this morning? And I know sometimes it seems like, well, man, you're just painting everything light and fluffy. Well, uh, I'm here to say life isn't light and fluffy. That's why people need acceptance and forgiveness and care and, and some sense of worth when they come into the building. Listen, we are beat up enough through the week by whatever's coming at us that we don't need someone at church to beat us up to make us better. 
I really don't believe that people discover who they are and what they're all about by you telling them all kinds of things that they don't measure up to or they are not. When you tell them who they are, whose they are, what they're about, what resides on the inside of them, that's when change transpires. And that's what this place should be about. And here's the beauty of it. If you want to be beat up every Sunday, there's plenty of churches you can go to. Even churches of brothers that I'm friends of and and love, but we just don't agree on maybe the theology. That's okay. I love them. We're all on a journey. And guess what? I still learn. I still learn from people who maybe I don't agree on every facet of theology. That's why I'm saying that's not what should pre-qualify relationship or community, whether we agree on every single thing. Now, sure, there's some foundational tenets of the faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe he walked this earth. I believe he died, was buried, and raised again. I mean, these are kind of things that, you know, even in the Nicene Creed and some different, you know, early church fathers put into writing on paper. So we have creeds and, and kind of foundations. But there's so many things that are just really theology beyond that that I don't think we have to agree on all those things to be a community. You know, in my own life, I, I really struggled. A lot of you know my story, but for me, I, I struggled. I, I even in my teens felt like I was called to ministry, but I just didn't feel like I measured up. So, you know, I left church. You know, and it wasn't really anyone's fault. I mean, a lot of times we just... We project onto even people in the pulpit. Now, I understand there's some people that are just, they're broken themselves and brokenness comes over the pulpit. I get it. I've done that plenty. I probably still do. I'm, I'm still, he's still working on me, right? But I ran from it because I just, I felt like I just couldn't measure up to that. I, there's no way that I could follow, why would I do ministry? And it wasn't anything but the love of God that brought me back, you know, in just little ways. Certain things I went through in my life, kind of at the bottom of the barrel and just thought, well, I grew up in church, maybe there's some hope there and, and came back and through that, you know, after years and years of just serving a ministry and being as faithful as I could and learning, here I am. But, you know, I really struggled with measuring up and and. and you know, being good enough. But again, I found my way back by being loved regardless of my falling short or my issues. And that's what has brought positive changes to my life. You know, honestly, without this community, I don't believe that I would be where I am today. Pastor Kristen, same story. The things you went through, whether we still agree, we, listen, we don't follow or agree with every theology we believed 20 years ago. If you do, something's wrong. You're not moving on in the journey. But those things at that time, she would even admit that helped her. She wouldn't be where she is today if it weren't for those things. That's why we can't look back and go, oh my God, remember when I went to the one church, it was so legalistic. But did it help you in that time? But then you grew in the journey and went, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else now. You know, too often we just want to, we throw everything out. But eat the grapes, spit out the seeds, keep the foundational things that made you who you are in each moment, and then continue to grow. 
And if you're growing past where you feel comfortable in that congregation, then say, Holy Spirit, I need another one. Or I've even heard people like, you know, their testimony was, I didn't agree with everything theologically, but I just knew I was supposed to be there in that place to help others whenever I could. See, that's what community does. Is this making sense this morning? I know it seems real basic, but sometimes it's so basic we miss it. Does that make sense? I seriously think that there's so much value in community. We know that Jesus was all about community. The apostles were all about community. The church is all about connection and community. I'm going to say it one more time, community. You know, we live in a day and age right now, and I may have given some stats before, but they say that people, individuals, are leaving the church by the millions each year. By the millions. You're like, Pastor, does this scare you? No. Because many of them aren't leaving faith. They're, they're not leaving God. They're leaving this concocted thing that we call church that looks nothing like Jesus. So to me, there's hope. Because I think we need to get to Back to the basics, if that makes sense, in a lot of ways. We've made church into something that Jesus, I think, himself, showed. if he showed up on this planet in the flesh, we go, now what is this again we're doing? That's great, you guys. Where's the love and the acceptance and the grace? Why does that particular community on the outside of the walls feel like outcasts? That's never what I called you to. Why is there so much hatred in these, is this called the Facebook? In these Facebook posts, what, what, what is this Trump and Biden stuff? Where am I in this? Am I messing with you yet? Well, my guy's called of God. Well, they say theirs is, so who's right? Come on. Come on. Oh, man, I, I hope you guys come back. Hope you guys join us next week online. The kingdom is not the politics of America. And for some of us, we would have so much freedom if we just cut the ties from CNN and Fox News and social media for a few months and just said, you know what, I just, I just want to start over. See, look, at people already falling out. I just, I just want to start over. And I did this in my life probably over a year ago. Over a year ago, I just kind of said, ah, I'm good. And now when I hear things, it's like, I used to get my feathers so ruffled. I don't even have feathers, and they were ruffling. Isn't that crazy? My feathers would get so ruffled because that politician said, or that newscaster, and, and I'd watch this thing and that thing, and, and now I just laugh and go, wow, we really need Jesus. I wish he was on the ballot. I won't say any more about that, but I, I do believe that we need to get our focus right. Because when we begin to show that kindness of the Lord, man, we want changes. I was talking to Dee just today, and she was reminding me that uh, they're having a, a big prayer rally in the next week. And um, we've got, is it Franklin Graham who's heading that up? 
You know, and, and that's, that's a, a big concern for her and many Christians that, you know, we really pray and we gather together. And, and I agree with that. But my thought is, why does it take a, a man on, on a national platform to get us to pray for America? I mean, shouldn't that be something we're just doing like all the time? We're like, God, help not just America, help the world to see your love and your grace and your goodness. Help us. We need help. And I say that because, you know, Western evangelical churches are scared because people are leaving the church, but maybe we need to not say there's something wrong with them and we need to look at ourselves and say, what is going on in the church right now? That people feel like I can't even be in that place because they don't accept me. They look down on me. There's no place in that building for me. Something's wrong. So maybe we need to pray, not just for America, maybe we need to pray that followers of Jesus actually begin to look like Jesus. I'm sorry if it seems like I'm being hard this morning. I just, this kingdom thing has become such a reality to me. And if I've offended anyone, I'm sorry. That's, that's not my goal. It isn't. My goal is to say, if we are followers of Jesus, then our life should be summed up in things like being agreeable and sympathetic and loving and compassionate and humble. Just say amen once. Amen. Even if you don't agree. It makes me feel a little better. Okay. But again, I mean, people are leaving the church and I believe there's a reason why. And listen, I love the church. I'm not saying everyone leave church. No, no. But I want us to get back to what the church really should represent. And it shouldn't be political sides. If you really want to know what the church should represent, then let's look back at the example of Israel and the greatest sin of Israel that the prophets came against time and time and time and time again. Do you know what the sin was? You've forgotten the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner. Not much different than today, is it? That's the change that we need in the church and in this world. So I think that sometimes we just have left behind what the church really was. But I believe, again, this is why when I say that I'm, I'm okay with this great mass exodus out of Western evangelicalism, the reason that I'm okay with that is because I believe that people are finding their way back to the way of Jesus. And that can show up in so many different forms. And I think it's so beautiful if we could get back to this. Now, again, I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm not trying to manipulate or control people to stop watching online and show up physically because you need to be here. 
I understand that there's many people that, for many different reasons, who just can't attend at this time. And so that's why we continue to do, you know, this online thing for those who can. And we completely understand that. You know, we have a lot of protocol and safety and things we do here so people will feel comfortable. And some of you have come back. It's been a while. And you're like, okay, I feel comfortable now. And that's okay. I completely understand that. But I do believe that there's an importance to being together. There's an importance to developing and nurturing relationships. Listen, we are beings who need relationship. We need others. Let me say it like this. Life is not about being a loner. We need relationship. And I can't think of a better place. People with issues that they're working on, different parts of the journey, different lifestyles and issues and circumstances and wins and losses and loves and dislikes. And, but that's the beauty of it. That's, that's relationship. It, it sounds almost like a family, doesn't it? How many have that family member you just can't seem to agree with? But are they still family? Yeah. Do you still love them? Most of the time, yeah. Um, but that's my point is agreement should never be the prerequisite for relationship, especially as followers of Jesus. I love the scripture in Ecclesiastes. We're going to wind this down here. I've already gone longer than I anticipated. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, look at this. Two are better than one. Say that with me. Two are better than one. How many agree with that? How many have ever had to move a couch? (laughs) You're laughing because you've done it more than once, huh? How about a couch with a bed inside it? Or reclining ends? It's cool when it's in the living room, but when you got to move it, not so cool. How many would say in those situations, two are much better than one? Yeah, maybe three or four. Can someone, there's always the one guy who's like, I got this. All right, turn, come back. Nope, go back the other way. You know, the manager. So you need the manager. But two are better than one in that situation when you need to move that couch. And he says two are better than one. Look at this. Because they have a good reward for their labor. I love this next line. For if they fall. How many know we're going to fall sometimes? If they fall, one will lift up his companion. That's awesome. You know, when we read this, it doesn't mean like, when we, every, time, every time you read fall, it doesn't mean I sinned could just be like, man, I'm having a hard time in life right now. My, my spouse left me or I lost my job or you know, I'm struggling or I just got a report from the doctor. It says, for if they fall, because we know all of us at some point will, what? One will lift up his companion. But look at this. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. How many of them ever felt alone? How many have literally not had someone there when you've fallen and you needed help? Look at this, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. That sums up community. It's helping each other up. I guess what I'm trying to get us to realize is that church is not just a place that I show up to on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or maybe 10.10, because we run late sometimes, either online or physically to hear a scripture verse and someone telling me how I should live life. Now, of course... That's part of it, right? I mean, I dig into the scriptures and we dig into the scriptures together. This is another beautiful thing. Do you realize that people didn't bring Bibles to home group in the early church? They didn't have any. There was no New Testament. 
There was the Torah, there was the prophets, there was the poems. Where were those located? In the temple. You don't take scrolls from the temple. So what would they do? They would gather together and they would talk about this way of Jesus. And now Jews, this is something I think we lost. It's a lost art called memorization because we can Google something and it's right there studying things out. Listen, I'm just as guilty. But they would memorize the Torah. They would have these things memorized. That's why when Jesus was on the cross and he goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those around him would know that he's singing a song. Psalms 22. That's the opening line. It's a beautiful psalm. Prophecy about the Messiah and what would happen. But the fact that God never hid his face from him. They would understand it because they, they had this, this art that we've lost called memorization. They understood that. And so they would discuss. They would, as Jesus said, you have power. I give you power to bind and loose. That means interpret scripture. Bind some things, loose some things, figure it out. So they would go through Torah. They would compare it to Jesus. They were Jews, right? Trying to figure this out. They would go through Torah, Old Testament, the prophets, the Psalms, the poetry. They would compare it to what Jesus said in the way of Jesus and go, oh, I see. And they would move stuff around and they would fix things differently and see things differently and they would continue on the journey. That was church. Wouldn't that be fun? But see, even in Judaism, they would go to a temple and they would read scripture together and they would talk through scripture together. One of the greatest things, but sometimes the worst things of the 500 year ago Reformation was the fact that we could all have a Bible in our hand, but now we have like 40,000 different Jesuses running around. You see that? Like, it's beautiful. Their idea was we want everyone to have scripture in their hand, but now we have this issue because everyone reads and interprets it differently. How many translations do you have just in your online Bible? Right? I was talking to a lady last night. She's like, have you heard of this translation? I'm like, yeah. She goes, I don't know about that, <laughs> right? I'm like, well, that's why you got to follow spirit. You know, I, you just got to go with it. I mean, the, the New American Standard Version, the New, New American, the NASB is probably one of the best direct translations. Sometimes a little hard to understand. A direct translation for the Greek and the English, it's probably one of the closest you'll find. But we have all these different Jesuses running around because of that. So it was like this beautiful thing, but at the same time, sometimes I'm not sure. Right? Does that make sense? But say they would do this together. So I think, you know, we started a, a few weeks ago where we did a Q&A where we could talk things out. That's why I think home groups are so awesome and small groups where we get together and we talk it out together. It's not this Greek style of one man in front of everyone telling them what they should believe. It's all of us discussing it together. And then there's a better chance of not going off into the weeds and in the air. Does that make sense? And so there's some beauty here in the church, the early church, I should say. It was a community that was there for each other. It says that they sold everything they had. They brought the proceeds to the disciples and then they would distribute it so that no one went without anything. Now, I'm not saying go home and sell everything and bring it to the church. We're not going to do that. My point is their heart was that no one be without anything. That's beautiful to me. People go, that's socialism. No, it's kingdom right? You got capitalism, you got socialism, and you still have one to 2% at the top and it all trickles down. Totally different, polar opposite 
plans and ideas, but neither of them work. The kingdom works. It's like, hey, you need something? I have it. There you go. Hey, you need something? I have it. There you go. Imagine a world, right? In a world. (laughs) I want to look at this scripture here, final one for today in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, there might be a couple more. I'm probably going to just close it up. You guys doing good? We're real familiar with this. It's starting verse 22 of Hebrews 10. He says, so let's do this, or let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Look at this. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Isn't that cool? Not avoiding worship together as some do. Uh, Some translations, we've heard this before, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. And we've heard that preached over and over and over again. I don't want you to hear that the same way. I want you to hear it in this way. Okay, so what you're saying is, let me get this right. There's this place where we can go and experience relationship and friendships and community. And together, we can help each other do life. Yeah, that's what this is. Now, sure, at some point, we're going to open up children's classes again and those types of things. And so do we need your help? Yeah, it'd be great to have somebody who has, you know, who has the ability to sing, to join the praise team or play an instrument. Or uh, if you have the ability to ush, then you can usher, right? If you have the ability to do good with kids, you notice I'm not in children's ministry, right? Ask my kids. But do that. There's great things we can do together. But the ultimate conclusion of this community is being here for each other. I mean, you know how many times behind the scenes someone's needed help? And I mean, people will just jump on it before you know it. Like, hey, we took care of 16 meals for this person that was just in the hospital. I'm like, you guys are awesome. That's what community is about. Oh, I heard so-and-so was in the hospital. This happened or they had that happen. No way, no way. Uh, okay, let's, let's pay the rent payment. Make sure they're good with that. What else? Okay, yep, let's get some meals. But a lot of times you aren't able to be part of that because you just don't know. How many would love to help in situations like that? That's what community is about. It's going, man, I'm going through a hard time, but I have some people I can depend on. It's not, you better show up because pastor's going to look out there and if he doesn't see me, oh God, is he going to text or call me? No. It should be more than that. It should be, I want to be part of a community that's helping one another. I want to develop relationships and friendships because I feel lost and alone. I come in here on a Sunday morning and it's great and I get uplifted and I love the worship and the message. Pastor Andy's so awesome and Pastor Kristen is so amazing, and, right? No, but, but we do these things, but then certain people leave. They're on their own. They feel alone. They have no one to reach out to. It shouldn't be that way. And I get it. We have to press into people's lives, but people also have to, you know, he, he who shows himself friendly has friends, but sometimes people, it's tough for them. Maybe they've been hurt. They're jaded. They're not sure. They've been burned so many times. They're not sure. So this is where we get to follow Holy Spirit, huh? Is this making sense this morning? Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves as some do. Why? Because God is relational. Community-driven culture. That's what the church is. Father wants to be known by relationship. Amen? I believe that this also will change our mentality of the other. It will bring us to a point where we no longer see the 
you know, the us and them paradigm. And we come to this place where we agree with the Apostle Paul, with what he says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. Look at this. For you are all what? One in Christ. See, church, community, it's a place where everyone is accepted, cared for, and get this, maturing in love together. That's the importance of community. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much just for, man, what, how blessed we are to be able to congregate, whether it be here physically or online, and just help each other, learn together, mature together in love. I pray that nothing I said today offended anyone, but I certainly hope that by your spirit, those words have shaken us to the core about what we believe. What do we believe about kingdom? What do we believe about the way of Jesus? Grace is so beautiful and welcoming and it's like the, the, this immense doorway to the kingdom. And the foundation is love. But there's definitely things that we do. There's ways that we be. If I could say it like that. So I pray this morning that we would really think through before we speak, think through before we type posts and post things. We would think through before we respond to our spouse or our kids. We think through before we respond to a coworker or a friend. And I guess really ask that question, what would Jesus do? And instead of going, what would Jesus do? And sitting there and wondering, just ask him, hey, Jesus, what would you do in this situation? And realize that we have this relationship that's it's literally here and now. It's real. It's valid. The Spirit of Christ, it's within us, animating us, moving us, wooing us, reminding us. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love and grace. Holy Spirit, thank you for your reminder every day of who I am. Help me, Jesus, to open my heart, the ears of my heart, to hear your voice in any and every situation. If there's any area in my heart that needs healing. If there's a lie that I believe, I open myself up for you to heal me of those things. Bring truth, Holy Spirit, to those places and those spaces. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.